Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Talking Business, a podcast produced in Melbourne, Australia. The podcast is available on the ACAST app, the Apple Podcast Store, or wherever you go to get your podcasts. Or you can get it at the Business Acumen website at www.businessacumen.biz. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I am Leon Gettler. My job is to review and monitor the week's news in business, finance and economics. I bring it all to you every week. This is episode number two in our series for 2021. And today's date is Friday, February the 12th. First, I'll be talking to Matt Ryman, founder and chief scientist at Shea Wellness, and we'll be talking about the company's free 30-day AI-powered personalised health program to help businesses support employees in 2021, with the aim to provide mental, physical and emotional health support to those who may fall through the gaps in small to medium enterprises. And then I will talk to AMP Capital Chief Economist Shane Oliver on how we can expect the market to perform this year. But now, let's talk to Matt Ryman. Well, Matt, tell us about this healthiest workplace challenge that Shea Wellness is running? Well, Leon, Shea Wellness is Australia's leading provider for AI-driven corporate wellness solutions. And we're really excited about this challenge that we're offering for all Australians and truly focused on the mental health and wellbeing right now, uh, following our pretty tough year in 2020 about COVID. And the Shea Wellness platform itself, what we do differently is we look at the individual before we do anything. And then we bring in the mental and the physical and the emotional health and wellness solutions that match each unique employee. And so there's not a single person who gets the same plan. Everything's completely personalized. And we're really excited to be able to scale this for free in 2021 for all Australian organizations that are willing to take a step forward and bring mental health awareness to the front of the conversation. And so how do you do it through AI? It's a really interesting way, actually. Uh, that uh, this has been about 20 years that we've been working in this technology. And for many years, we had to measure the body with tape measures. 
to get a true indication of who's in front of us and who this avatar is being built in the back end of the system. Mm -hmm. Now we can actually do this with a smartphone. You take a photo of yourself, it understands your body shape and size, it understands all the different metrics, it even understands about your different hair color, eye color, all the things that actually match to your internal health. And so just with a snapshot of your phone now in 2021, we're able to tell so much about your internal health, about your biology and about your psychology to better help you with your health needs, your physical health and wellness, as well as your mental health. It's uh, quite impressive and quite amazing technology. Just from a snapshot on a phone? Just from a snapshot on a phone. And then we use artificial intelligence to interpret that conversation, make meaning of that, and then provide insights for each of the users, whether it's in food or movement, mindfulness, et cetera. And this is how we support and guide each of the users through every day uh, through this artificial intelligence. So it's very exciting times. It's things that we're doing right now in 2021 that we couldn't even do over 12 months ago because technology has advanced so much. So this is a really incredible experience. It's almost a little bit Star Trek in nature, uh, but this is scientifically validated evidence-based technology that we're using. And we're very excited about bringing this to the workplace at scale. And I would imagine there'd be a fair bit of demand now that we've emerged from the pandemic for workplace wellness. Yeah, it's, it's one of the hottest conversations. We've worked and consulted with the likes of Google, Facebook, Cooper, Combank, Coca-Cola, Red Bull, and, and those sort of companies. And we're really looking with the 30-day challenge to bridge the gap between where we have been so far and to really bring this available to uh, small businesses, medium businesses, to really offer that individualised behaviour change support to build healthy mental, emotional and physical lifestyle habits. And this is something where they have fallen through the gap uh, in, the, in times gone by. And this is now an opportunity we get to bring this uh, together to really support the difference and the divide that's been happening in the workplace, but particularly to make sure we can support all Australians in their health and wellness journeys right now. Didn't you uh, recently release a white paper analysing government departments and uh, small and medium businesses? Yeah, we have. It's... It's, a, it's, it's quite amazing, actually, uh, Leon, that what we found, uh, which was quite disturbing, is that uh, across, this is across private and government organisations, that on average, on, uh, an average of 70.5% of people report moderate to high risk of anxiety and 50.8% report moderate to high risk of depression. Uh, and this is what we found in our, our research in these organisations and we actually then went and implemented Shea Wellness Solutions that we've just discussed about uh, into the workplaces. And within 30 days, uh, we saw improvements, ridiculously amazing improvements. Uh, anxiety scores improved for 83% of individuals and depression scores improved for 74.9% of individuals in just 30 days. Uh, some improving up to 75% in their risks and changing categories from moderate, moderate risks down to low or not uh, even risk at all. So, this is a, a way that we now are very aware that using AI-driven technology for wellness that can be very individual for each user, and that's really the key here, that we can know who Leon is. We can actually speak to him about the things that are relevant for him. We can help share with him solutions in his physical health and wellness, but also his mental health and emotional health that we can really help guide him on his journey and the results we're seeing are phenomenal. So first, I guess most importantly, we have a problem. We've got the statistics that show we've got some severe mental health issues at the workplace. And second, we have a solution that's personalised for every person that's really effective in just 30 days. And that's really the basis of what we have now in this 30-day health challenge that we're inviting all Australian companies to get involved in um, to really, you know, again, bring the awareness around mental health to compete against each other in a really fun and engaging way. Lots of great prizes, lots of great publicity around it. 
Uh, and we're very excited to be, able to, uh, to be able to offer and contribute in this way in Australia in 2021. So, I mean, when you did that white paper, when did you actually do that? We did that in the last three months of last year, so the end of 2020. So it's a very recent hot off the press. We're just putting that together now. We just have put that together now in January 2021. So uh, it doesn't get any hotter than right now, Leon. This is, uh, this is real and right now for all Australian workplaces. And what's interesting with that, with that paper, therefore, is that this was occurring at a time when people were coming back to work. This is in Post-COVID. Post Right, it was in the height of COVID actually, and there was a, a good hybrid between workplaces and work, people working from home, which is still the case right now. There's still a lot of workplaces that are coming back to work. There's still a number of people that are still working from home and various hybrid arrangements. So what we provide here is a very, um, a very scalable solution. It's probably the best way to describe it. It's relevant for people, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, you can do everything virtually, but it brings everybody together in ways that we haven't seen before uh, for their individual journey, but together as an organisation as a whole. The team bonding, the team dynamics, the engagement, uh, everything that we know already helps improve the staff and company morale. Company culture is what we, we have as our secret source, if you like, into what we do. But it, particularly the key to success is making sure that you can speak to the person, the individual in the right way and support them in the way that they, they need support. And this hasn't been done before in corporate health and wellness programs. And we're excited to be able to use the power of AI now to be able to, to bring that at scale. So do you people speak individually to each employee? So in, as part of the challenge, the AI, so through your smartphone, that the, the artificial intelligence will speak individually to each person throughout every day, throughout the 30-day challenge in a, in a pretty amazing way with interactive conversations, uh, videos, uh, whether it's you know, standing up to do stretches around your chair if you've been sitting for too long, whether it's to refocus if you've been sort of dazing off. Uh, it's, it's really quite amazing how the AI leads you through that experience. But we also have a huge network of over 1,000 health and medical professionals in Australia that are supporting this. And we have every week we have uh, dial-ins that are there to support people in that live experience as well where we go through and we actually teach them a lot of emotional intelligence. We take them through the awareness of mental health and things they can do. We provide a lot of tools and resources and support for people that's there run by qualified health and medical professionals. And we have an incredible support network that's there for any to answer any questions along the way as well. So it's a, a very well structured uh, um, challenge and we're really excited to be able to announce this. And these health and wellness professionals are across Australia? Across Australia and New Zealand, actually. We have really? uh, over a thousand that are committed uh, to supporting this, uh, we have uh, we we teach and train in personalised health and precision medicine, uh, and we have uh, over a thousand that are there in our networks already that have been through our training programs over the years that are super excited to support this challenge and uh, and see what we can do to again improve the mental health of all Australians and and put that in the spotlight more than ever before. Uh, as I think I meant, you may have, uh, be aware we're partnering with Beyond Blue uh, and really supporting them to donate proceeds from the larger corporates to get involved with us towards this. Uh, program. So we're really looking for a big holistic approach on behalf of Australia here to really rally up and get support for all Australians right now in mental health, in physical wellness, uh, to be able to say that there is things you can do. Uh, and there's a lot of support now, including through technology, that can really bring this to the forefront of the conversation. So yeah, we're very excited, Leon, and, and uh, anyone who's listening right now, I definitely invite them to come and join. You can go to shaywellness.com forward slash challenge to register for free. And uh, we'd love to, to see you there. And ultimately, how does this affect the Shea Wellness business itself? So this is going to be interesting to see. So we already provide corporate wellness solutions for, for small uh, organisations through to large enterprises. So we're going to be interested to see what actually comes from this and how much interest people actually have. 
So of course, anyone who's been through the program, if they want to continue with our services, we have that available for them. But we're really wanting to connect with each of the individual uh, companies that come on board. We've got options to give them full reports on analytics for their company, on engagements for their staff, on snapshots of where people are at in their journey, so that people can at least be aware in workplaces of where their staff are at, where their company's at as a whole, and the things that they can do about that right now in 2021 to change their story. And uh, we're, we're excited to be part of that again. So basically what you're doing is you, you, this exercise is broadening your market, isn't it? Well, we hope so, because what we stand for, it, it, what we stand for is, uh, if you like, we're a bunch of passionate, heart-led um, scientists and medical doctors that are here to change the world, and that's what we stand for. We've actually got a mission and vision to impact billions of lives in what we do and how we go about what we do. And so we'd, yeah, we'd love nothing better than for everybody in the, in the whole of Australia to experience this technology and to see how it can change. Um, you know, the, the health and lives of individuals. And this is something we've seen across the board. We've got incredible statistics to show what we do works uh, significantly. Uh, and we truly believe that every workplace should have this technology as part of their DNA for success for their employees because we believe that a healthy, happy employee means a healthy, happy business. Uh, and from our point of view, a healthy, happy Australia is what we're all about. Now, uh, question out of left field here. I mean, you're, you're in Australia and New Zealand. But potentially, you could expand this into other markets overseas, couldn't you? Yeah, well, we already have companies that we work with as, a, as an organisation internationally. So this technology is already live in 120 countries. So we're, wow. we're very, very broad. Um, this is something that we're very passionate about. And actually, I'm usually on the road um, most of the time for the last five years. I've, I haven't spent a lot of time in Australia. This is since COVID. I came back in June last year and I've been in Australia since. And so this is something that's very close to my heart that I'm very passionate about. Uh, and that all of us here are very passionate about supporting all Australians right now. The statistics was it's over $220 billion now, the cost of mental health in Australia as a result of COVID or uh, you know, all, the, the, um, uh, all the influencing factors together. So this is a huge opportunity that we have. This is something that we believe can really start to move the needle and shift the conversation in Australia. Uh, we believe that we need a lot of help. We believe that in organisations in Australia compared to other ones that we observe overseas, uh, we're a lot less progressive in mental health. Uh, for example, in America, people are a lot more open about conversations. In Australia, we don't see that. So we believe we have an opportunity now to really support that and to, to take this to a whole new level here. Uh, and so we've got this, uh, this really great support network that's supporting this. Uh, we've got incredible conversations, incredible technology and proven results to be able to support this. So we are very excited about it and uh, we look forward to seeing what happens. Well, Matt, all more strength to your arm and we look forward to what happens with this. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks so much, Leon. It's a pleasure. And we hope to see all of you there. Shaywarnoffs.com forward slash challenge. Thank you Thank so you. much. And now let's talk to AMP Capital Chief Economist, Shane Oliver. Well, Shane, the stock market has been soaring. It's up to its highest level since February last year. What explanation can you give for that? I think there's a bunch of things. I mean, it's really a continuation of the rally that got underway in March at the low point from the pandemic. We've had a few pullbacks along the way, most recently a week or two ago when the market fell 3 to 4%. Uh, that in turn, of course, eased some of the excesses, I guess, the overbought condition in the market and then enabled it to sort of push higher. But the real factors, I think, have been good economic news globally, but particularly in the US and in Australia. The economic indicators, most of them anyway, have been on the strong side, particularly the business surveys in the US, uh, most of the economic data in Australia has been pretty solid. Obviously, the housing market sticks out on that front. Uh, we've also seen uh, talk of more stimulus in the US. Uh, Joe Biden is pushing a or trying to push a 1.9 trillion 
dollar stimulus through US Congress. I don't think you'll get the full amount, but it's going to be a pretty big number. Even one trillion is around five percent of US GDP, so it's quite a big stimulus coming on the back of the nine hundred billion dollar stimulus that was pumped in, or is now being pumped in from uh, late last year, early this year. And of course, in Australia, we saw in the last week the Reserve Bank extend its uh, quantitative easing program and basically tell everyone that they don't want to raise interest rates or don't expect to raise interest rates until 2024 at the earliest. So all of these things, I think, uh, are adding to to sentiment. Um, And of course, I guess the final factor is uh, strong earnings numbers out of the US and expectations that we'll see something similar in Australia. Uh, The US earnings uh, numbers obviously took a huge hit through the pandemic. But since then, they've now fully recovered and they're now back to where they were prior to the pandemic or, if anything, just edging above that. And the numbers which will come out in Australia over the course of the next few weeks will probably show a quite a robust recovery here as well. So all of those things are pushing share markets higher. Price to earnings ratios are above their long term average, but then interest rates are well below their average, which explains why uh, shares are trading on higher PEs than would normally be the case. Right, of course, and and uh, you're expecting, of course, as you just as you just said, the profit reporting season. The companies will show they've coped with the pandemic quite well. That's right. Uh, the consensus expectation is now for a 25% rise in earnings this financial year, uh, and we'll get a good uh, an inkling of that in the December half figures, which are now starting to come out. So far, so good. The companies that have reported have surprised on the upside, but we've only seen a handful of them, so it's way too early yet. But uh, we have seen pretty good um, comments from retailers, for example. The resources companies have seen very high commodity prices, particularly for iron ore. So that's why we're seeing uh, strong growth in the resources sector. Banks are going to see a good rebound, possibly 30 40% rebound in profits, which will enable them to... uh, increase or reinstate their dividends, uh, which will be taken positively. And I, I think some of the key sectors in the industrial side of the market are going to see 15 to 20% earnings growth as well. So all of those things, I, I think, will provide uh, confidence to investors. If you go back to June, July last year, the share market was rebounding and investors were saying, well, how can this be? You know, we're in the biggest recession since... Uh, the end of World War II or since the, the Great Depression, uh, how come the share market's going up? And, of course, uh, it's turned out the share market was right. It was anticipating an economic recovery through the second half of last year, which indeed in Australia we have seen, despite periodic scares around coronavirus, particularly in relation to the hotel quarantines uh, system. I think the other factor in all of this, of course, is that a lot does come down to coronavirus, but we have started to see a decline in new cases globally, uh, the US and Europe in particular, the numbers remain pretty low in Australia. And, of course, uh, vaccines are now starting to be rolled out. A lot of debate about how long that's going to take and worries about mutations. But the early evidence suggests that uh, while they won't necessarily stop all uh, new cases of the new mutations, they uh, will pretty much guard against hospitalisation and death. You know, the Johnson & Johnson result came out and it uh, the tests, the early phase one or phase three tests, and it showed that, uh, yeah, some people did get coronavirus um, and the numbers were higher in South Africa. Uh, but by the same token, no one was hospitalised and no one died, which I think is the uh, is the key point here we, we want to see. We want to take pressure off the hospitalisation system. So if you've got vaccines which aren't um, a full break on getting coronavirus, but they stop people dying from it, 
or going to hospital, then you can still have a pretty decent reopening with that occurring. Now, of course, uh, Philip Lowe uh, last week was giving a speech and he said the downturn in the economy was not as deep as the authorities had feared and the recovery has started early and has been stronger than expected. That's right. It's worked both ways. The general expectation was that the economy would contract something like 10% in the June quarter last year and the event had contracted about 7%. And there was a general expectation that uh, the uh, second lockdown in Mel- in Victoria uh, through started in July, but particularly from August, would stop the economy from recovering in the September quarter. As it turned out, the recovery in the other states swapped the weakness in Victoria and the economy uh, was stronger than expected in the September quarter and the indications are that we've continued to recover in the December quarter. So it, it seems quite clear that even though these scares have continued, people have sort of become adjusted to uh, lockdowns. And so the impact of those lockdowns is not as great as they used to be. Uh, perhaps the lockdowns have been more targeted in, in Sydney and uh, elsewhere. They've been very brief. Uh, and where they were broad-based in Brisbane and Perth, they were very short. So consequently, the level of fear is a lot less and therefore the level of economic activity is a lot less. And of course, government support measures still remain in place. So I think all of those things have enabled the economy to continue to recover faster. And at, at its core, of course, in all of this is that this wasn't a normal recession. In a normal recession, you slowly slide into it before you've uh, realised how bad it is, you know, a lot of damage has been done. And at that point, interest rates come crashing down and uh, government undertakes stimulus. But there's already been a lot of damage. A lot of people have already been thrown out of their jobs. The relationship between the worker and the boss is severed. It takes a lot longer to recover. This time around, before we even went into the recession, uh, the government had jumped in with support measures, JobKeeper among them, which kept the relationship between workers and bosses uh, and preserved, almost like freezing in time, the economy where it was in late March. So therefore, um, we were able to reopen a lot quicker than was normally the case. Now, I know there's a lot of fear around and some areas are still being badly affected, particularly in travel and higher education. Um, but by the same token, uh, that's relatively small compared to the overall hit to the economy that occurred around the middle of the year. And we've been able to recover a lot faster, largely, well, partly because of those um, those support measures. Well, it would appear that uh, despite the, uh, I mean, the travel industry is in trouble, but uh, whereas people aren't spending their money on you know, going overseas or going interstate, they're spending their money on uh, this discretionary spending going on. And that's well, reflected that, in the retail figures. That's right. You know, obviously, if you go back to April last year, spending fell across the board. You, know, you can't go on overseas holidays and people didn't want to buy boats or household furnishings either. Then as time went on, they realised, well, I still can't go on the overseas holiday. I used to spend some money on that. Uh, well, what can I do? I can get a boat to take the family out on. I can maybe upgrade the car or I can go out to the gardening shop and get some more stuff for the garden. I can put a better lounge setting into the uh, into the uh, the lounge room and so on. And so you have seen this surge in discretionary retail spending. I mean, we're not eating more out of Woolworths or Coles or Aldi, but we, we are spending more on discretionary items. Now, on the one hand, you don't want to get too excited here because that's just offsetting the weakness in spending that's occurring in, in some services, but particularly on travel. But it has kept the economy growing. And, of course, if you're in the travel industry, you think 
and used to rely on foreign travellers, you know, it's pretty tough. But the overall economy has seen that rotation or that, that divergence of spending away from certain services, particularly travel, towards discretionary goods, which uh, is still spending in the economy and still keeps it going. Now, ho hopefully there'll be a, a rotation back the other way at some point. I think there will be. Um, once the vaccines are shown to work, you know, people will want to travel again. Maybe if they don't want to go overseas or maybe if the international borders take longer to recover. Um, but they will go in Australia. They will have those holidays and spend money. And it is worth noting that in terms of international travel, normally we had a trade deficit. We used to lose more from Australians going overseas than foreigners coming here. So if those Australians are locked inside Australia and have to just travel in Australia and maybe New Zealand, then it's actually a benefit to the economy, not a loss. Now, in terms of the market, final question, which do you see are going to be the major companies uh, doing well in the market? Look, what uh, sectors? Uh, in terms of sectors... Uh, my, uh, I'm, I'm not a stock picker, so I won't go down to the level of the stocks. But in terms of sectors, I think this year is going to be a good year for cyclicals. And it'll also be reflected in the earnings results. So in terms of the earnings results and also the year as a whole, I think it's going to be a great time for the cyclicals, stocks that benefit from economic recovery, as opposed to stocks that benefited from the pandemic. So the key beneficiaries from the pandemic were healthcare stocks and IT. Uh, and we have them, but we don't have as much of them as they do in the US. Whereas relative to the US, we have a lot more cyclical stocks. We have more material stocks, resources companies, industrials. We have financials. Uh, and I reckon they're the areas which will see the outperformance. Travel stocks um, as well will probably feed into the mix there. Uh, but it's those stocks that suffered the most will probably be the strongest um, through the course of this year. That's already been reflected to some degree. We've seen a bit of a rotation away from the so-called growth defensive parts of the market, um, particularly towards resources. But I think that all has a lot further to go uh, through the course of the year, and it's going to be uh, consistent with the profit results we see uh, announced over the next, the next few weeks. Well, Shane Oliver, thank you very much again for your time. My pleasure, Leon. Have a great day. So what's happening in the news? Well, the world's leading electric car maker is getting behind the world's largest electronic currency. Tesla said it had bought US $1.5 billion in Bitcoin, a purchase that comes after Chief Executive Elon Musk has promoted the cryptocurrency and other digital currency alternatives on Twitter. The electric vehicle company also said it expects to start accepting Bitcoin as payment for its products soon. When news of the purchase became public, the value of the world's Bitcoin rose by about $90 billion, while the value of Tesla rose by about $8 billion. Since Elon Musk owns more than 20% of Tesla, his own net worth went up by well over $1 billion as a result of the announcement. Tesla disclosed the Bitcoin purchase in its latest annual report, saying the move aims to diversify and maximise returns on our cash that is not required to maintain adequate operating liquidity. Tesla said the purchase came after a board committee approved changes to company rules on investments, adding that it can also invest cash in gold bullion and gold exchange-traded funds, among other assets. The Bitcoin purchase, likely among the largest by a public company, comes after a rally in 2020, during which the price more than quadrupled. The cryptocurrency continues to experience big swings. And business confidence has risen in January to be sitting well above the long-run average as businesses anticipate further recovery in the economy. According to NAB's monthly business survey, business confidence rose 5 points in January to 10 points, 
while business conditions fell back to seven points following a strong December. The fall in conditions was led by a fall in trading conditions and the employment index. And the Westpac Melbourne Institute Index of Consumer Sentiment increased by 1.9% in February from 107 in January to 109.1% in February. And Google has launched its new showcase in Australia, a product that was announced in October 2020, but not introduced down under till now due to the company's stoush with the government over the news media code. After much drama with Google telling a Senate hearing that it would pull its search service from Australia, the company launched a showcase on Friday with a number of publications, many from Australian community media, being featured in the initial version. The fact that it has launched just a day after Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison had what was described as a cordial chat with Alphabet and Google Chief Executive Sundar Pichaj means that it must have been in the work for some time. Such an initiative could not be launched at short notice. Among the publications that have cut deals with Google are the Canberra Times, the Illawarra Mercury, the Saturday Paper, Crikey, the New Daily, InDaily and The Conversation. The federal government has signalled it may consider amendment to its digital media code if Google can convince large media companies to sign up to its own news product, sparking a rush of last-ditch negotiations between the search giant and publishers. And people in insecure work will be able to transfer their entitlements from one job to another. Wage parity will, gr- will be granted to labour hire employees and gig economy workers will be entitled to a minimum wages and conditions under a raft of changes Labor will implement if it wins the next federal election. And in a move certain to rekindle arguments about union militancy, Labor leader Anthony Albanese will also promise to abolish the building sector watchdog, the Australian Building Construction Commission, and the trade union regulator, the Registered Organisations Commission. Mr Albanese said the pandemic has exposed the escalating levels of job insecurity caused by the failure of workplace laws to keep pace with the evolving nature of the workforce. And Fair Work President Ian Ross has opposed the Coalition's plan to speed up approval of enterprise agreements, putting the Tribunal head and Attorney-General Christian Porter at odds over a key element of the government's workplace policy changes. Ahead of the Senate inquiry hearings into the government's industrial relations bill starting on Monday, Justice Ross said the proposed 21-day limit on the Commission determining agreement applications was unnecessary and likely to have consequences contrary to the interests of employers and workers. The intervention of Justice Ross will increase pressure on Mr Porter to make changes to the proposed laws and follows the Labor Party's decision to oppose the entire bill, ensuring industrial relations is a key political background this year. On Sunday, Mr Porter pushed back against a criticism by Justice Ross, saying the government made no apologies for seeking to improve the timeliness of the enterprise agreement making to help deliver pay rises for workers and productivity enhancement for employers. The government says the proposed new time limits on the Commission are among a raft of changes in the bill designed to reinvigorate the troubled enterprise system. But Ian Ross has been joined by Labor law experts who have warned that the changes threaten to tear a hole in the safety net, increase casualisation and worsen wage growth at a time when pay rises are necessary for the economic recovery. 23 senior academics led by University of Adelaide Professor Andrew Stewart joined to warn the proposed reforms on casual employment would increase disputes and red tape for employers and declared their strong opposition to allowing enterprise agreements to temporarily leave workers worse off than the award minimum. The criticism, which will form part of a submission to, a, to the Senate inquiry, adds to the high-profile opposition to the reforms, with Fair Work Commission President Ian Ross also panning a proposed 21-day deadline to approve agreements as risking unintended consequences. 
The academic Spriggis opposition was to a proposal to exempt agreements from the better off overall test for the next two years if there are exceptional circumstances, such as to deal with a crisis, by adding COVID-19 to the considerations. Professor Stewart said the provisions would apply beyond pandemic-induced crises and agreements could last longer than two years, given they operate indefinitely until terminated. And Crown Resorts has been deemed unsuitable to operate a new Sydney casino at Barangaroo after months-long public inquiry which exposed allegations of money laundering. Crown's new casino has already been built, but is now unlikely to open. James Packer's behaviour was described as intolerable by Commissioner Patricia Bergen in a report which calls into question the billionaire's ability to invest in licensed gambling in the future. Andrew Dimitro's testimony was unedifying. John Alexander's take on his relationship with James Packer is blind to reality or lacking in candour. Robert Rankin's stint as Crown Resort's chairman was lacklustre. Allegations of criminality within the casino's operations were first raised by media in 2014. James Packer Lieutenants Guy Jalland and Michael Johnson have subsequently quit the Crown Board. A final report from the Crown Probe, commissioned by New South Wales Independent Liquor and Gaming Authority, was tabled in State Parliament. The report decried the casino's corporate arrogance about systemic issues. In it, Commissioner Patricia Bergen, a former Chief Judge in the New South Wales Supreme Court, said the company needed to make sweeping cultural changes if it wanted to be considered a suitable operator in the future. It effectively means a casino component of Crown's new $2.2 billion skyscraper on Sydney Harbour will almost certainly be blocked from opening. However, Commissioner Bergen's recommendations must still officially be adopted by the ILGA. And Focus Group has confirmed receiving a $2.4 billion on-binding indicative takeover offer from Macquarie Infrastructure and Real Asset Holdings, MIRA, for $5.50 a share. It is the third time the telecommunications outfit has fielded a takeover talks since 2018. Vocus owns a vast fibre network infrastructure and has a consumer-facing internet service provider brand such as Dodo Services too. And Australia's advertising market contracted by $1.1 billion as the COVID-19 pandemic crunched global spending in the West by $9.9 billion, reversing two years of growth across the US, UK, Australia, New Zealand and Canada. Ad spend was down 15% in Australia, according to numbers from Standard Media Index, which tracks media agencies. SMI, which also tracks product category ad spend trends, revealed across combined markets the largest growing category was unsurprisingly pharmaceuticals, which was globally up 17%, driven by a surge in spending in the US. And furniture retailer Nick Scarly has said it will repay $3.6 million in JobKeeper payments after succumbing to pressure on Australian companies that pocketed wage subsidies while also paying increased dividends. Just last Thursday, Chief Executive Anthony Scarly defended the company's decision to keep the subsidies it received in the December half, in which it recorded a 90% increase in profits and lifted its interim dividend by 60%. And fast fashion retailer H&M will close three stores in Australia this year, but has denied reports of plans to shut about 15% of its network after a drop in sales during the pandemic. An H&M spokeswoman said the global retailer planned to close another two of its 49 Australian stores in March, H&M Townsville and H&M Rockhampton, after closing its Chatswood store in January. She denied that as many as seven stores could close. And the profit reporting season has started. CBA announced a 10.8% slide in first half cash profit to $3.9 billion. Sigma Healthcare expects to report underlying full-year EBITDA of around $80 million, which would be a 35% increase over the previous year. Three years after Amazon set up shop in Australia, the online Yuganauts 
sales doubled to more than $1 billion in 2020, fueled by the accelerating shift to e-commerce during the pandemic. According to accounts lodged with the corporate regulator, Amazon commercial services clocked up revenues of $1.21 billion in the 12 months ending December, almost double for the $561.1 million in revenues the previous year. Suncor's net profit after tax fell 23.7% to $490 million, as last year's results included gains from the sale of Capital Smart and ACM Parts. FCA Property has flagged a return to pre-pandemic earnings as a shopping centre owner delivered a 14.1% increase in first half net profit of $102.9 million on higher valuations. James Hardy said that third quarter adjusted EBIT rose 57% to US $167.9 million after sales rose 20% to $738.6 million. Net operating profit rose 50% to $68.6 million. Dexas, the country's largest office landlord, reported a statutory profit which fell 55.5% to $442.9 million after Dexas recorded a lower amount of net revaluation gains than it did in the last December's first half. Borrell announced that net profit after tax was up 18.2% to $161.4 million for the December half. Challenger Financial Group's net profit rose 1% to $222.8 million in the six months ended December 31st, from $220.4 million in the year-earlier period. Revenue climbed 5.5% to $1.29 billion from the year-earlier $1.22 billion. Insurance Australia Group has cut its interim dividend after reporting a $460 million loss for the first half of 2021 financial year. Northern Star Resources has reported an underlying net profit after tax of $194.4 million for its first half ended December 31. The record result is 63% above the previous first half. Mineral Resources EBITDA reached $763 million, up 131% on the prior corresponding period. CIMIC is targeting net profit of between $400 million and $430 million in the 2021 financial year, as it looks to grow earnings from $30.1 billion of work in hand. Funds administration provider Premium says its international business is enjoying strong momentum early in 2021, as it reported a 113% increase in first half net profit to $16.4 billion, with Australian platform revenue increasing 52% to $16.9 million. Centuria Capital has posted a net profit down 46% to $41.4 million, on revenue up 46% to $116.3 million. Saracen Mineral Holdings' first half underlying profit after tax rose 85% to record $148 million, while statutory net profit after tax climbed 74% to $120.5 million. Internet connectivity business Megaport has doubled its half-year loss to $38.4 million, on sales up 39.3% to $36.04 million. An ALE Property Group statutory profit increased 232% to $68.1 million, as valuations rose 4.4% to $1.22 billion. And that's it for this week. And next week I'll be talking to the boss from Booktopia, Tony Nash, about his, how his company is going after it listed in December. And then I'll talk to RMIT economist Sinclair Davidson about the economic challenges ahead for the Morrison government in what's likely to be an election year. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at TalkingBizBattleZ, on Facebook and on LinkedIn. And if you want, leave a comment. Wishing you all a safe and healthy week and looking forward to bringing Talking Business next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 